Hello and welcome to the Rethinking Sustainability podcast with Ben, Jazz and Dan. Navigating the complexities of sustainability one pod at a time. I'm Ben McCabe, founder of McCabe & Partners, a purpose-driven executive search and talent advisory. And I'm Josh Grinsing, founder of Recycle App, a recycling software platform that tackles the problem of waste going into the landfill. During my university years, I was shifting between doing my midterms or homeworks while also delivering projects for government offices where I volunteered. And I think um, over the course of time, especially since childhood, I was very attached to nature and animals. We focus on, on the quality that is being generated, what is being offered. We work with the recyclers to enhance their processes. So we really care about the market to drive that $46 billion figure that you mentioned. And not all private companies would, would take this approach. You know, any animal floating because it has died by eating something that it shouldn't have eaten. Uh, it's going to be the reason to hope that Tomorrow, kids also separate their waste at source. And I always say this, if you can imagine it, you can make it happen. Jazz. Mr. Ben, how are you? Good morning, yes, very well, how are you? Uh, been a while, fourth episode, how are you feeling? That's it, we're at the halfway mark. Yeah, for the first season. For the first season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, more good things to come. And I'm very excited about today's guest, more importantly. Well, yes, I am. I am excited about this as well. I do you actually know what I'm gonna do this because because I'm it's I'm, a personal one for you, I think. Also, I'm really excited about the conversation, right? So we we've got Mariam Almansuri today, founder GM of Rebound Plastic. Welcome, Mariam. Thank you so much for coming to our podcast. Thank you so much for hosting me. It's my pleasure. Before we even start, Mariam, do you want to give us a quick intro as to who Mariam is? What's the story behind Mariam before we even get to the rebound plastic? Sure. I mean, um, talking about myself, which is not my favorite thing to do, <laughs> but Mariam is the student that grew up during her educational lifetime or years working. So my father had this concept of my daughters need to work while they learn just so they can implement what they get taught in school. And so during my high school years, during my university years, I was shifting between, you know, doing my midterms or homeworks while also delivering projects for government offices where I volunteered. And I think um, over the course of time, especially since childhood, I was very attached to nature and animals, specifically elephants. So I self-taught myself about habitat degradation, and that's where a lot of pollution elements rose or I would say uh, were highlighted and because of my background in finance and I admire economics as a topic or a subject so I started tying a lot of environmental and economical things uh, from a very early stage in my career and you know seeing how uh, life unfolded or doors were opened more to say here I am today, you know, talking about a very personal and inspiring company and journey that I'm very proud to be leading, uh, which is Rebound. Wow. 
Fantastic. Yeah. yeah so that's a very good fine story. From, working from a young age, and I guess sort of it's great that you've had that work ethic sort of embedded in you from your from your family and having that as a core value. And clearly it sort of shows today in terms of your passion. And if you can link passion with what you do in terms of your mission with your career, I think, you know, it, it almost becomes a non-job yeah. almost. You know, if you can sort of tie up, you know, what you want to do, we all need to earn an income. But if you can tie that with a real passion point, it becomes, yeah, as I say, less of a job. So good for you for finding that niche. And elephants, that's a that's yeah. a, a unique one. Yeah, so it started my, actually my mother's birthday is coming up soon. Uh, she's born on the 6th of August. And for some certain reason, when I was younger, I would always pick up an elephant toy or an elephant mug or an elephant drawing <laughs> and, and give it to her on her birthday. And then, you know, my parents were like, what's up with our daughter and elephants? And this was like from the age of seven or eight. And so then my father would treat us to books. Uh, it was his carrot uh, method of the carrot and stick approach. So we would read books during summer and I would buy books about animals and elephants and penguins and all of those. So growing up, I started adopting or let's say funding uh, rescuing elephants in, in their uh, natural preserves, etc. through uh, wildlife funds. And then plastic started coming up, you know, these images of like you open up a fish and there's mm. plastics and all these scary things. So um, this is where I got more attached to the environmental aspect and, and trying to see how can we make this planet a better place for all, both humans and animals. Yeah. Wow. And this is what the, the frightening thing is with plastic is, you know, the, the actually finding it in human DNA. Mm -hmm. I think the report last year from Ocean Conservancy and that the scientists have obviously found now, you know, the, the effects of, yeah. yeah. And it's, no, it's no, no surprise we know about the issue with plastic waste in oceans and consumption of fish. It's, yeah. it's only going to end up one way, which is, yeah, quite which is, which is why. So now we've already come to the mother load of the conversation. Mariam's hit right into the middle of the bat, right? So she's gone straight into plastics. And um, this is what Rebound then essentially was yeah. born yeah. out of, right? This is the idea behind Rebound is, is making sure plastics don't end up harming the environment, yeah. right? And if you want to give us a little bit of what Rebound plastic is, is right? what 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 do you mean by rebound and what's the core offering of so ben touched upon a point of referring to reports and that's exactly how rebound as a concept actually was born i'm a bookworm i love reading and uh, part of working for the government uh, included lots of readings so during the pandemic like all other businesses in 2020 or most businesses that we uh, see today that are trying to make an impact were born during covid in a from a perspective of why is this happening? What's the problem? What's missing? What hasn't been addressed before? And I was reading a lot of reports about, you know, people wanting recycled plastics, but not finding it. Mm. And I'm like, there's no way you can't find plastics. It's all over us. It's choking our planet. It's, it's wrapped and basically embedded in a lot of items even here in the room. So what is it that is stopping plastics from reaching back into the value chain? And so Rebound Plastic was essentially born out of the idea of keeping plastics out of the environment, in the economy, valorizing and monetizing this valuable, useful, versatile material that otherwise other alternatives would have higher greenhouse gas emission impacts and other hazard environmental impacts or footprints against plastics. And so how do we become more mindful? How do we hold businesses accountable that have committed to reintroducing recycled plastics into their products or packaging or furniture, etc., but haven't? 
you know, in 10, 15 years from now, we don't want uh, multinationals to come out and say, oh, we still can't find the plastics. No, there's this platform and marketplace and company that essentially works really hard globally to bring the best quality of recycled materials, make it available on a spot basis for you to come and take. And you need to tweak and alter your R&D to uh, use these materials because essentially you created them and put them out in the market. Yeah. So this is Rebound Plastics mission. It's keeping plastics out of the environment and the economy, working with everyone across the value chain and believing in the power of partnerships, which is something that we, Jazz and I, enjoy working on as well. It's we don't want to do everything alone. We can't do everything alone. The team in Rebound, wonderful, smart, amazing team, globally knowledge and equipped with resources, can't even do everything alone. So we work with multiple companies on multiple levels to make sure that a buyer meets his seller in a transparent manner, quality assured, and, and there is money and everyone's happy in the private sector. Brilliant. So, you know, um, you know that, Jeff, why... Where it's, so it's literally preaching to the choir right now. We've literally had a whole podcast talking about word to word verbatim what you said about transparency, about keeping, you know, holding people accountable that are actually responsible for the waste that comes in. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is why I think I think you guys posted something recently on your social media about six attributes yeah. to a proper waste management mm-hmm. uh, structure, yeah. right? How do you make sure that from design stage till the end, what happens? So we obviously manage about 40% of it. That's what we do. But the other 60% is where Rebound comes in and makes sure uh, the transparency, because we were talking about this before, uh, 55% of the plastic generated across the world comes from, well, I don't want to name names obviously but it comes from the 10 major yeah. corporates yeah. yeah right uh 55 percent of the waste generated that that is an insane amount of waste and now yeah. which this is why the marketplace is an interesting conversation because the accountability of if i can go up to someone and tell them where your waste is gone and who picked it up and then more importantly discuss as to why it was made in the first place then mm. you're creating a safe yeah environment for everyone in that chain right mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's just that's brilliant. Yeah, it's good for awareness. And also you can incorporate blockchain for traceability as well along the yeah. platform. I'm not sure if this is something that you're working on or already have incorporated. We're looking at it. Um, see, with this with this industry, they're very old school, yeah. I would say. And trying to digitalize and just embed technology every step of the way uh, is very difficult. Even if you have something running on a screen, they're probably going to call you and you're going to have to do it in the back end. So, I mean, this is one of the beautiful challenges mm-hmm. um, that came across our journey is, okay, so we try to fix a broken vase, but people were comfortable with the cracks anyway. Yeah, And, and this is how we're you know, we're taking things very slightly. We're not pushing the industry too much to bore them or to make them feel like, oh my God, this is so like innovative or too digitalized for us. We're not comfortable using it. We need to hire someone just to use it versus, okay, let's work with other like-minded businesses that have the technology running initially in their uh, business Mm -hmm. and incorporate it within hours. And, you know, you mentioned the status or the figure of 55% of plastics and and who uh, puts it out. This only comes to highlight the point that we're a growing nation globally. Consumer activities on the go are increasing, whether it's eating out, whether it's buying clean clothes or clean products that need to be wrapped 
in, you know, some type of plastic, which uh, preserves the material or the cleanliness of it. So it just puts, a, you know, the importance that plastics is important for a lot of day-to-day activities, which we cannot really substitute it with anything without recreating or mushrooming another problem. But at the same time, it's raising awareness of, like, you have your own bottle. Mm-hmm. Fine, I don't need to buy 20 uh, bottles of water during the day to drink from. Let me try to manage and refill my reusable bottle as much as I can. When it comes to using plastics, once I am done from it as an individual, not even as a corporate, it starts from people and households and families. When you're done using a product, you need to be aware that this is now a waste and that this waste is either valuable or non-valuable. And how can I re-contribute it back into the value chain and, and recycling stream? Yeah. Not just highlighting, uh, wow, well, you know, our company uh, hires this waste management company or contractor that gives us stats of, of our waste that has been uh, diverted from landfill. It's like, okay, so where does it go? Do you know where does it go? What happens to the material? Does it get dumped? Does it leave the country? Is it missed out as an opportunity for local recyclers? So this is where, this is the hat that we're playing as Rebound. And because we're neutral to both public and private sectors, we don't have a skin in the game per se in terms of a running asset or operation. Yeah. We're capable of wearing that hat of accountability, but responsibility and economic valuization and and uh, monetization of of the sector and industry. Yeah. So you you are I guess you're a true platform. You don't host. You don't man. You don't mm-hmm. hold the stock. You're obviously B two B. You're providing a solution and a, and a platform for buyers and sellers. Yeah. Excellent. And I, and what you touched upon there, I think, is is fascinating because obviously, yes, there's a moral responsibility and obviously education and awareness around people should care and and think about their products that they're consuming and what happens to them. But actually, I think I read somewhere that the recycled plastics is actually worth around forty six point six billion dollars mm-hmm. as a as an industry. So not only is it the right thing to do, but actually, and this is where people often often have the criticism that sustainable businesses aren't profitable or they can't be. But actually, there's a there's a market opportunity there for someone to use that waste and create value from that waste while also providing. Well, a- so is that number based on the nine percent that it's actually nine or twelve percent, depending on which which data no, it, matrix? It's based on, on the, the industry. number of the demand side. Oh wow! See that, but that's ridiculous. I mean, so if you if you consider those numbers, you got forty five million. Would you say forty five billion? Forty five point six billion dollars. Yeah. By 2025. So, I mean, you say 2025, like that's really far. That's in. Feels like tomorrow. That's 14 months from now. It is. So, what, 16 months from now, right? So, wow. And considering we only recycle what 9 to 12% of actual plastic. Imagine if we did 100. Well, I don't think 100 is a possibility. I think think there's a. I think we've touched touched points on this before, right? Um, A lot of it comes, a lot of it stems from. We try to make changes that have been there for the hundreds of years, mm-hmm. right? Fossil fuels, if you want to get rid of them, if you want to move away from it, it's jobs that you have to create that are getting out of uh, yeah, upskill, right? Yeah, 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 there's a, a wider impact. And that is where the concern comes in. And I think this is where companies like Rebound becomes, you know, becomes such a critical point of uh, conversation because then we know it's not just people buying it. So you can always get someone, because I know there are other platforms that mm-hmm. are there, right? What interests me more about your platform is the policy making, how you involve the policy makers. Because we've yeah. discussed a lot yeah. about uh, policy makers. Uh, how important is a policy 
do an overall structure of the thing, right? And, so, yeah, and Murray mentioned, I think you mentioned before Rebound, you worked in government. Uh, yeah. In, yeah, how well. influential was that in your setup of the Rebound? I mean, I was very lucky to work in the highest ranking office in the UAE. So I worked for the Cabinet of Ministers. So on a federal level, you know, all ministerial policies and regulations came through us. We reviewed it, etc. Going back to the business, regardless of your sector, whether you talk about sustainable businesses or other types of businesses, what value does a country have other than security and economy? You know, these two are the most important uh, points a country should focus on and then others follow. So when you talk about the economic value of any type of industry, the government essentially lays the ground or paves the path for the success or failure of businesses. How do you frame it? How do you bring up the voices of stakeholders? How do you speak the language of governments? Is a skill that cannot be taught. It needs to be practiced. Mm. And so what I bring to the table or how, you know, this company started out first with a group of global experts that contributed immensely to where Rebound is today. But then my angle or let's say the hat I wore was always what would happen if the cabinet got involved tomorrow? What would happen if the cabinet asked a question tomorrow? So I always thought about ministers and governments as as the core stakeholders as well. And maybe they do not, they're not involved in the transaction per se. So we didn't build rebound in a sense that we're very commercial and we just want to gain quantity. We built it in a perspective that the quality will become the our, let's say, value proposition and unique setting point. We focus on on the quality that is being generated, what is being offered. We work with the recyclers to enhance their processes. So we really care about the market to drive that $46 billion figure that you mentioned. And not all private companies would would take this approach. No one wants to burden or hassle themselves with a, you know, a a stretch of of work and trying to knock on doors which would be shut otherwise, etc. Like it takes work, it takes patience, it takes a lot of personal factors that employees need to have or let's say um, a company colleagues need to have in order to drive a, a change narrative. And one thing that policy, the discussion of policies within Rebound and, and how it, it impacts our workflow is that we all know it can't happen overnight. So we take our time in positioning the importance and highlighting the economic, industrial, environmental aspects of, of this change, what needs to happen. And above all, it's okay, you want to reduce and eliminate plastic pollution, uh, which is what the plastics treaty is touching upon. So you want to eliminate plastic pollution around the world. How can you do that if countries are not valuing the waste management company and recyclers as an important sector? You don't want to have them, you know, sub substituted or a sub of a bigger sector. No, they need to be recognized as a sector on their own. And humans and residents that live in that country need to be, from a social and community perspective, aware of those companies and how they can have a huge impact on how this company runs its business. True. Me putting food waste in the same bag as the recyclable waste is not going to help anyone. So might as well take that responsibility individually. But then on a government scale, on a company scale, there needs to be more efforts, more facts, more data 
And the most important thing is also to not work alone. So companies shouldn't shy away from asking for help, collaborating, not really looking for that 50-50 module of, okay, we'll do this together, but so long as we split it 50-50. No, we'll do it together. This is the end outcome. In the beginning, if you need 80-20 split, then fine. You take the 80 so you can run your operations. And hopefully when we reach the picture perfect scenario, we can then talk about commercializing further. But it's keeping in mind that governments will only do a part of what the country and private sector needs to drive. So I would say this is the kind of lens that I would wear or that I wear today when talking to governments globally about recycled plastics and recycling uh, because jobs are important, source separation is important, you know, uh, municipality waste pickers and and, uh, skippers and trucks are really important. So they all play a vital role in in the circularity of things. Well, that's that's amazing, right? So So there are two things. I was listening to this. There are two things. First of all, have you heard of this app called Calm? Right, calm, so calm, calm. Health, yeah. yeah. So when, yeah, when you want to sleep or whatever, you you <laughs> would be an amazing candidate for for someone on calm. I was transfixed for yeah. it for the for the last one minute. I was like, yo, this woman is big fat. Like I I agree with every single thing that you said, and I'm like, I don't think I could have put that yeah, that very, eloquently. Yeah, yeah, which way very eloquent the way you put it but there's it's an interesting conversation that you mentioned about integrating waste management current waste management services that you have Mm -hmm. in the process of change right but now i'm just going to play the devil's advocate here and that's the role i tend to take the problem is this again they're set in their ways yeah they're set in ways of where you collect more Right, mm-hmm. where you collect more, obviously, then you recover as much as you can. There are no recycling facilities, right? They're MRFs, which are recovery facilities. They're not recycling, uh, and they recover as much as it as as they can, and then out it goes. I think because they're set in the way that becomes a massive issue. And this is why I brought up the policy part mm-hmm. because a policy change in the way they are run. I'm not saying change everything, just a small change in how the waste is managed and sent out. I think that becomes a key part of of proper change i think that is that is something that you guys are tackling as well yeah. um yeah and from uh from a partnerships point of view you mentioned obviously partnerships being quite um key to your growth who do you tend to work with now in the, the types of buyers and and sellers are they locally based or are they global or is it a combination of the two so our buyers and sellers are global they come from over 40 different countries so they're essentially businesses that either are able to aggregate and recycle the plastics or they're businesses that are producing the end product that wants the material or the recycled flakes and granules so this is on our members side and they're strictly members we partner with the complementary added value value chain uh, services so for instance we partner with b2c companies that are able to collect from doors or offices or households and so we work with them to increase their contracted locations and then whatever plastic is retrieved from those locations we would then reshuffle or reintegrate that stream so for instance if jazz calls me tomorrow and says we have pp i'll tell him okay there's this recycler in this area in the uae please drop it off to him so just for anyone listening pp is number five mm-hmm. on your on the recycling number that you guys see just just in case if anyone wanted to know, to know. Right? Uh, so one 
and it has a huge market demand and value, guys. P- so please, yeah, PP PP is ridiculous in terms mm. of any. So I'll give you a quick example of what PP is. Um, anything that you order, that majority of your food mm-hmm. takeout would be PP. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of it would the be black. Uh, well, yeah, right. Yes, right. And this is and this is where the tricky part comes in with source segregation as well. Yep. Um, just a tidbit for anyone listening. Generally, black PP gets ignored in a lot of recovery facilities because it's based on infrared mm. uh, technology, right? So black's not picked up by infrared, so it gets ignored, and that is where source segregation becomes a massive, yeah. massive thing. But yeah, PP is is a huge chunk of that forty-six billion market yeah. that you're talking about. Also, because it's easily recyclable as well, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a mix of hard hard plastic, hard plastic and yeah, yeah rather so, than the clear see-through plastic bottles. Yeah, 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 the thinner the thinner the plastic is, right? Mm. The harder the plastic is. It, well, not harder, but it's the less recyclability rates. Yes, basically. it becomes not not because it cannot be recycled, just because the it science. Can, but then it. it has a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean. When I don't want to bore the listeners from a technical perspective, <laughs> I'm trying to be very, you know, relatable. Um, but we, so let's say, you know, we we want to sell recycled plastics. How can we sell it if we don't work with the collection company? We don't work with the transportation company. You know, who's going to transport it? Who's going to verify it? So the laboratories, the inspectors, who's going to make sure that these were ethically sourced? So the source of, of the material, how does it look? How much does it weigh? Is it really what it is? I mean, tomorrow when you order, let's say, a black T-shirt online and then you end up receiving a gray one, mm. you're not going to be happy. So it's the same with the buyers in this industry. If they order a certain specific and type of material of recycled plastics, this is because they have certain machineries that can absorb a specific grade. And so you don't want to cheat the buyer. This is why today there are trust issues, let's say. Yeah. You know, there's trust issues because the seller is not being transparent to the buyer. And then the buyer is worried about his money because it's not like the recycled materials come cheap. True. And, you know, it's, it's really critical for people especially in, in the east and in southeast asia and middle east and you know the area as that we live in to to know that we will be the game so we are the critical population that's going to change and uh, help drive circularity and circular economies because we are the highest generators of waste due to the population size that we hold in, in our regions. And so with the studies that we've done in Rebound, most of the waste will be generated in our countries and our infrastructure is developing or reaching a specific stage where the end markets can still remain the West, but also develop end markets here. And so we make sure that whatever, whether it's plastic, paper, textile, you name it, will re-enter a value chain that is monetized. But this cannot happen if we as consumers and individuals do not drive it. it. It's such a simple, you know, commitment and ask from people. Set aside a maximum of around $50 a month, maximum, to work with companies that ensure that your waste gets picked up, it is separated, it is recycled, and they tell you where it goes. Do not dump it in these general garbage cans. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm against those. I've, 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 yeah? Yeah, I'm against the Even when movements. I travel, I try as much as I can to not generate waste. I try to eat in with the uh, restaurant cutleries and plates rather than take takeouts because I don't know where will this waste end up. Yeah. And here in the UAE, you know, 
my car is pretty much suited to continuously put you know, carry the bottles or the cups or the takeaway elements and I keep it so that when I go home I have a, you know I'm subscribed with Re and uh, Re comes and picks up the material that I've generated as waste but then they generate it as a valuable resource to recyclers yeah so happy happy win-win scenario and one thing that I want to shed light upon uh, from a rebound perspective is businesses and companies and people need money you know so how can you get money without creating that market drive and so trying to close our borders from a country perspective or you know um, just local perspective and believing that circularity can be achieved locally is the funniest most bizarre thing um, someone can believe in because economies cannot be achieved you know from a circular perspective 100% locally there needs to be at the bare minimum a regional trade route for materials to flow mm -hmm. and go back into the recycle and reuse element if we're going to build recovery and recycling facilities like around 50 of them in one country that's land use that's you know emissions generated that's um, electricity and water use and all of that and so we're only harming more than doing good as there's a saying in arabic give the dough to the bread maker so give the what is it in arabic uh, okay. so basically you know give the material to the person that can deal with it the most and better and generate that you know dollar sign yeah. cha-ching and, and we're all happy <laughs> i think i think it's a it's a very funny well, i mean look this is one of the reasons why i was really excited about this podcast just because the clarity on the way you know mariam speaks about plastic and the overall it's not it's not hey the plastic's bad stop using it it's not the you know how we, we discussed this before yeah, exactly. editing, <clears throat> it's more of a listen a bird's eye view from the thing we understand there's a massive issue with it, but we also understand there's a massive solution that can be provided a value. for it. Yeah, once it's in the, if it's been produced and it's in the ecosystem, why not use it and use it for, for good? For good. And this is where, you know, people automatically associate environment, sustainability, go, plastic's bad, which, okay, it is, but you're here to solve a purpose and obviously provide a platform that ensures that it doesn't continue to, you know, have a negative impact on the environment but actually there's a there's a value there for future producers let's face it businesses will continue to produce goods consumers will demand those goods mm -hmm. so there needs to be a solution and this you know material science and innovation and reusing plastic yes it's kicking the can down the line so to speak but it's there why not use it and make make value of that waste so this is uh, this is one of the big i think on our first podcast when we discussed this i give an example of people in syria walking hundreds of miles picking up you know plastic balls and so mm -hmm. on and then actually taking it to to plants where they can get money for it mm -hmm. right? there's a massive difference in thought process in these countries compared to you know when you want to use the word um the, the well i want to use the richer countries let's use yeah. that word right let's use that word for now the global south essentially is they have they have an understanding that this has value for mm -hmm. us here or in a lot of these countries here, what happens is there's a misconception that once I put it in the bin, my job is done. And this is what you were pointing out. It's, it's the same thing with companies. Yeah. As important as waste collectors are, it's not the best part of the solution where you just throw it in the trash chute. And then it once it's collected, then it's gone. There's no value for the company itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to create that clear cut value for everyone, the collector, the, the ones who sort the thing out. Because I've learned this over the past three years. It's not an easy business. Not at all. It's not an easy business. There's so many different stakeholders involved in the conversation. And I think that is what I loved about the rebound. The whole 
aspect of it was just the transparency, which which is what I yeah. cry about on this podcast on a regular basis, right? Yeah. So for me, it was just the best podcast that you could, you know, podcast guest that we could have because mm-hmm. I couldn't have explained it better than this. Um, yeah. No, do want to touch points on one one aspect of it. You mentioned global platform. Yeah. That's tough work. Yeah. Right, because then mm-hmm. now you're working with different countries. Different countries. See, look, UAE is a massive, it's a big advantage living in UAE because you work with so many different nationalities. Yeah. But when you work, let's say, with India or with America, it's different thought processes, mm-hmm. different. How do you integrate that within your is that a challenge that you had to overcome or is that something that you're still overcoming when it's when it's building your platform? Look, I'll be very honest. The team is international. So the Rebound team and the people that work in Rebound come from different countries and nationalities. They have a global mindset. So the platform is just the equipment or it's the product. It's, it's much easier. I wouldn't say we have challenges as Maybe time zone, yes. You know, I have a upcoming meeting at 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday, but that's like as, as far as challenges would go. It's language, fine. We work with, and we actually have a couple of colleagues that sit in their home countries, which speak the same language as that region or country, and it makes our sales life much easier. But look, a global problem like plastic pollution can only be solved by a global solution. And... Rebound and recycling generally is just part of the solution. You said plastics is is the problem or people that say plastics is a problem. Plastics is just a buzzword. Mm -hmm. You know, when I worked on this in 2020, it was September 2020. I remember people were just coming back to government offices. I was there earlier because I had less risk um, on internally uh, where I live uh, to come to go to offices and come back. But generally speaking, people are just starting to come back to the offices and no one and I mean no one when I spoke to them about Rebound asked or continued the conversation because plastic wasn't a buzzword in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it definitely wasn't picked up in 2021 either. During 2022, when we were working on the platform and its processes and we were investing left, right and center in different aspects of, of making this a global um, tool that people can access and use, End of February 2022 in uh, Nairobi, the United Nations announces the Plastics Treaty. And since then, I kid you not, on a monthly basis, around three to four governments would talk about plastic pollution and plastic circularity and EPR and all of these topics would come up. And bear in mind, we were in a hiring process as well. So during by February, it was just Alvin and I, my finance and admin director. He was, you know, the, the first person that came on board, believed in Rebound and, and helped me set up the company essentially and the team but then as we were hiring more people try to explain to new employees or to uh, newcomers in this field the fact that the day they start their job is the time when the whole world is talking (laughs) about their job yeah it was an immense intense exciting year but plastics Essentially, if plastics is the problem, then what about glass? What about your clothes? What about your shoelaces? What about your pillows? What about your loofahs? What about your shampoo bottles? Yeah. What about your lenses? What about your hairspray? I can go on. Exactly. So, it, so don't point your fingers. No, but see, this is, it's the funny thing because we, we talk about this, right? We've said this. Um, you want to complain about plastic, stop using your phone. Stop, yeah. stop flying. Yeah. Stop brushing your teeth. I mean, you can get wooden, wooden earth. Yes. Now this is where okay, the tricky... Okay, so it's fine for the wood dust 
to enter so, your lungs. So this is this is uh. welcome to rethinking sustainability. <laughs> is it damned if you do, damned yeah, if, if you don't. don't. That's there the tagline that seems to keep popping up. But it's true, yeah. You know, this is where it's never. It's much easier to just blame one material. Yeah. Fine. If people, it's a distraction tactic, it's a distraction. If you're able to get rid of plastics by the time, hopefully, my grandchildren are born. They'd be talking about cotton or paper or glass or some type of alternative that they thought could solve the problem but couldn't. So it's a people problem, right? It's a it people's is, problem. Of it's um, I mean, a lot of people. It's a double P. <laughs> <laughs> a people plastic problem. Yes, that's yeah. what. Tri- yeah, triple the trifecta, right? It's because I mean, look. Before I started working on re, I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, paper bags have more have, have a higher carbon footprint than yeah. plastic bags. I didn't know this. Right? Just because I started working in the industry, I learned more about how plastics work, what's the process. I even learned the the person who actually invented plastic bags invented this with the thought process that this is a long term thing. Like you don't just buy it once; you yeah. keep it, and mm-hmm. then you keep. It's a people. So it's a people problem, right? Um, convenience becomes an issue. Uh, but I think the more you are transparent, I think this is what we were talking about. It's when you build a transparent model, if I can go up to someone and say, "This is where your waste is gone," and this is what we've done with it company, individual, household, doesn't matter, government, that's where the actual change, at least that's what I'm, that's what I believe in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I want to move towards is if you show them transparency, changes will happen. Look, um, I think I I relate to what you're saying because I'm on the same mission as well. It's like regardless what happens, we'll just do our best in trying to do this. And a huge kudos and hats off to the people that actually work in the recycling facility these places don't smell the best they're hot you know you need to always be careful if something falls or your hand or your foot goes in the wrong line you know that's like health hazard Mm. i mean honestly they're the recyclers are doing a tremendous job and and put up huge investments for their machinery. All for us to try to name this sector as like, you know, hashtag garbage. No, it's not. It's not garbage. Really? No, it's just the hashtag. That, it's, uh, sorry. Like, no, it's it's you need to respect the people and the waste pickers that yeah, are doing they're this. They're the real heroes. Behind Why us. are you littering? Till today, I see people like I was I traveled to a, you know, won't name names, but I traveled outside the eastern side of the world and I went to the western zone. And there were cups and straws and plastics and and, uh, Coca-Cola cans and all of those on the roads near, like, if you just walk an extra block, you'd find a bin. Why are people still littering? There is no country today that can stand on a, uh, you know, uh, on the stage and say, we're doing amazing in recycling. No, you're not. Because probably your definition of recycling is shipping it out and dumping it in other countries. There was this viral photo that I'm sure you've seen, which has to do with the map of the world and the largest country uh, ocean polluters of plastics where Indonesia and Malaysia were mentioned and all these other countries. No, they're not the plastic polluters. They're not. They're... The people of those countries did not go all the way to the ocean shoreline and dump plastics. It's global north versus it's global the south. global. It's it's the 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 non ethical handling of waste <clears throat> in major developed countries that just ship out their problems yeah. and on their books record it as recycled. No, yeah. it's not. So rebound is here to repurpose and 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 set that picture forward. Is if you're going to ship out your materials 
it better have an end user that is capable and licensed to absorb your material and recycle it and that it's not contaminated. So it's really trying to shed the light on the operational schematics of things. It's not easy. What Jazz is doing is not easy. What we're doing is not easy. Any sustainable business today has its own challenges of trying to uniquely set themselves. And one thing maybe that you can relate to here is, unfortunately, a lot of decision makers and companies and let's say our clients or the people we want to work with see us as charity. It's like, oh, can you do it for free? No, we can't. Oh, yeah. So that is yeah, one of the biggest. That is one of the biggest issues mm-hmm. with sustainability that we talk about here as well. I think Ben's pointed this out. Is um, I, I love this example, right? We use this example every time we do this. Uh, Pangaea, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They charge a really high amount for the clothes that they make, yeah. but they make sure that everyone within that supply chain or demand gets chain paid. gets paid properly. Unfortunately, when and the materials they use, the innovation is done at a very high standard compared to the traditional fast fashion producers and polluters. You can see it in their yeah. colors. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is it, you know, people, but then the flip side is you'll have people who will criticize and say, well, that's too expensive. That's not accessible. Uh, and again, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, if you're trying to do things the right way. But this is where it is, you know, who pays? But what I like about what your both platforms, both Re and Rebound, is clearly the accountability, the transparency, because there's a lot of mistrust on a consumer level. You know, where does my waste go? Is it being handled and sorted properly? So if you can provide that data and, and sort of educate, one, the awareness piece, but then secondary, once people have deposited their goods, re come and collect the your products, it goes on. And then that's that aftercare. Well, where does that waste go to? What's it used to do? People feel good about themselves and it's more of an incentive. And, you know, you can gamify this almost to an extent where in a, in a corporate, you know, who's who's producing the most, who's, who's bringing their uh, produce down, who's having the better impact. You know, you can actually make it quite fun. And maybe this is the shadow in me that, uh, you know, just... finds, you know, uh, excitement out of waste. But, you know, yeah. this is where you can, doesn't have to be boring, doesn't have to be, you know, I love doom it. Ben, and gloom. Bender, Bender's uh, silent, silent, um, not an investor. Well, he's a silent advisor for for re for for re, right. right? So he he actually got me, uh, Dan. He introduced me to Dan, oh, who's who's the business wonderful. partner. Yeah, he was the one did this. But it's funny you mention this because we do this with corporates. We do department versus mm-hmm. department. Kind of create a competition. Who's got the cleaner materials? Who's got who's done more in terms of source segregation? Funny, it turns out people like competition. Mm-hmm. Um, people yeah. like the fact that they're competing with their own peers. And then you see a lot of the results come in, right? So a, a lot of the companies that we work with jump from 50% range yeah. to 90% clean materials. And that's because, again, this is what you were pointing out, Mariam. It's you tell them what the process is. And the reason why I do this, right? I've, so when we started this company, the first three years, in the f- first year and a half, I was in the warehouse cleaning the bags properly. So I know... Pardon my French that people put in their bags, right? And it's it's the fact that I had to clean tissues and and and, and yeah. plastic with everything in there. Majority of the stuff that we collected was recyclable. But because it was mixed with, like you said, with food and so on, it's a massive people problem that we have right now. But hey, a more power to rebound, I guess, than you know. Definitely. Uh, more pe- more people like Mariam. I think that's where they Well, yeah, in a, in an industry that, you know, without making a broad sweeping um statement, it's probably a very male dominated uh, industry. So kudos to you as a as a mm-hmm. as a female um founder and, and GM of a of an amazing business that's obviously serving a high social and environmental purpose. I think the I think the the community in the world uh, needs more people like you, Mariam. Uh, so hopefully you will serve as a as an 
inspiration to other female aspiring entrepreneurs and leaders. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. It's been... You have one last question. Yeah, Why We always ask this, right? Reasons for hope, right? Uh, oh. Just general reasons, general reasons for hope. Um, what are we looking for in the next couple of years that you think is going to happen that's going to give us proper impact or change? Dapa and the hot seat there. Reasons for hope is because, you know, if you look at history, uh, humans created beautiful in- inventions. They didn't mean to harm the world. Unfortunately, there are now harmful consequences that are coming out. So it is now the human role to reintegrate a less harmful practice and it starts or let's say the one thing that's going to change the way um, we experience the topics or talk about the topics we talk today is if on a human level uh, people are more aware of their garbage and purposes this is the this is going to be the beacon of, of hope for someone that wants to go to the beach and enjoy a clean beach or sail on a boat and not see a fish floating or whatever you know any animal floating because it has died by eating something that it shouldn't have eaten. Uh, it's going to be the reason to hope that tomorrow kids also separate their waste at source. And I always say this, if you can imagine it, you can make it happen. Whoa, whoa, hey, that has a... Really, I mean, I'm, yeah. I have a picture of the future in my head right. and I'm just going towards that picture and there's only so much you can do as an individual or as a company or as a team or as a corporate or as a government you do it fine if other people's if other people join you amazing and if the whole world stands within your mission then that's even better and it's easier and you know hopefully um we reach that image that's drawn at the back of my head that's amazing that is that is amazing i love it what a perfect way to yeah 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 Yeah. i mean look even if your vision whatever you have after 30 years this is how i've always put it if you put your news channel like you've got a headline what's your headline going to be, right? To be like, waste ended up, there's no more waste in 2050, for example. Yeah. Might, not, might not come true because we obviously generate waste. But like you said, if people join you, have more conversations like this, maybe invite you to do podcasts like this because, <laughs> you know, uh, got to do a shameless plug, right? Got to do a shameless plug. But yeah, I think that was a beautiful yeah, that way was to end it. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story oh, and insights nice. and really good luck with everything and um, yeah, keep up the great impact. Thank you, everyone. And thank you for having me. And I hope that the listeners enjoyed the valuable plastic and, and what comes out of waste. Awesome. Sure they will. Also, also like and subscribe. Yes, double like, double subscribe if possible. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Sustainability podcast. Drop a follow to never miss an episode. For more information on ourselves, there's a link in the show notes. See you next time. 